0: How many of you hate going to the dentist? Anybody in here hate that? Yeah, a few of us. I hate the dentist. Um, Sorry if you're a dentist or you work in a dentist office, but it's because of this stuff right here. I'm surprised at how many people I talk to who say that the only time they floss is right before they go to the appointment at the dentist. (laughs) Some of you are in here, I know. What really makes me angry is when I talk to these people and they come back and I say, hey, how'd it go? And I'm thinking in my mind, Oh, they just got trashed, right? And they're like, oh, the dentist said my teeth were great and perfect and wonderful. Here's what bothers me. I floss my teeth, okay? At a minimum, I don't do it every day, five days a week I floss my teeth. And then I go to the dentist and the dentist looks at my teeth and you know what she tells me? She's like, do you even floss, bro? <laughs> I'm like, I floss all the time. I know people who don't floss until they come in here and you tell them their teeth are great and yet you're telling me that I don't even floss. I know I take the time to floss my teeth. So this is the reason I don't really like going to the dentist this is because of dental floss. I'm not here to talk about dental hygiene today, okay? Or your flossing schedule. However you want to floss, that's up, up to you. But here's what we know about flossing our teeth. It's only good for us when we continue to do it, Right? Like we know over time that the more we floss our teeth, the better our teeth will be, that that it'll take care of the plaque, it'll keep our our mouth clean, but it actually what they found too is that it'll keep our bodies more healthy when we floss on a continuous basis. Today we're going to finish this series called Dangerous Prayers, and we've talked about bold prayers and persistent prayers, we've talked about intentional prayers. Today we're going to talk about something really simple. We're going to talk about how important it is for us to pray continuously. The prayer can't be something that we just kind of do haphazardly when we feel like it or right before we go to church or right when a problem hits. But the prayer is something that is consistent in our life. No matter, no matter how those prayers turn out or end up. It's important that we continue to pray. So I love the words that Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians. Paul is writing to this church that he planted there. And, and in it, at the end of 1 Thess- Thessalonians, he, he talks about these ways and they're kind of these quick hits of, of how we should live our life. He, he talks about how important it is to encourage those who are timid, to be patient with everyone, to always be joyful. But in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he writes these words. Paul says, never stop praying. Never stop praying. I want you to think about those three words. Never stop praying. And yet, how many times do we give up on prayer? And I believe when we give up on prayer, we give up on God. And I also believe when we give up on God, we start to give up on ourselves too. And so, this morning, I want to talk about this idea of how important it is for us to be people who never stop praying. And I want to begin by looking at the story, of the life of Abraham and Sarah. We did a series on this back in the spring. If you want to go back and watch that or listen to that, feel free to do that. And I'm going to take some pieces from that because when we look at their life, what we're going to find is that some of the things that I believe they experienced waiting on God are things that we experience when it comes to our prayer life. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 15, starting with verse 1. Here's what it says. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you're giving me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, the servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. I'll do a little recap here of Abraham's life. We meet him. He's 75 years old. Uh, we find out from Abraham and, and from looking back a little bit that he's financially well off, yet culturally, he's very poor. And the reason he's very poor is that he doesn't have any children. In fact, he has no son. And, and I'm guessing at the age of 75, probably around the age of 20-ish, maybe a little bit younger, when he marries Sarah, that they're thinking about kids, they're thinking about the future. And for Abraham, again, in that culture, and for Sarah, too, having a son would have meant absolutely everything to them. Well, God shows up at the age of 75 and says, Abraham, I'm going to make this happen. The son is coming, but, but what happens here? Let's get on up to chapter 16, starting with verse 1. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham says, hey, you're going to have a child, right? I'm going to give you this child. I'm going to give you this son. But what we find here between chapter 15 and 16, about 10 years have passed. And there's no child. Specifically, there's no no son. Think about Abraham and Sarah and where they are right here at this moment. For about 3,650 days, they have been waiting and waiting on the son to come and waiting on God but nothing has happened God has made this promise and and as I read this part of Sarah's response I look at that and you know what I see I I see this hurt that she has I, I see her pain and I see that she feels this rejection by God it was middle springs middle school her name was Kelly We were in a few classes together, and I had a huge crush on Kelly. And so, uh, as we did back in middle school in those days, I took a nice, beautiful sheet of notebook paper, and I wrote her name, Kelly, comma, will you go with me, question mark. Some of you have done that, you remember those days? We don't know what that actually meant, but we wrote it anyway. And and then you put those two boxes there, yes or no. I always added a third, maybe. Maybe you did that too. And uh, we had mutual friends, so I'd give it to the mutual friends. She would take it to Kelly, and Kelly would send it back to that mutual friend. I'd open it up, ready to look at it. And every single time, Kelly put, no. no. Now, thankfully, she wrote a nice little piece after it. She said, no, I like someone else. So maybe that made me feel a little bit better. But, but I, I was kind of thinking about this this past week, and I'm like, why did I always put maybe? And, and I finally think I, I understand why. It was this fear of being rejected. Like if she put maybe, I wasn't fully rejected, I was just partially rejected, right? I mean, there's this incredible power that we have or that that happens around us that's called rejection, right? It is this powerful thing in our lives. And I believe all of us fear rejection. We fear getting rejected from the job we're trying to get. We fear being rejected by the publisher for the book that we're writing You fear being rejected for that promotion to lieutenant colonel. You fear being rejected in that relationship, in your marriage, in your dating, with your kids, with your parents. But I really believe we fear being rejected by God. As I read these words from Sarah here, I I sense there's this feeling of rejection. I, I sense that Sarah and Abraham feel rejected by God. Because God's not answering this prayer God's not answering this promise that has been going on for, for 10 years. And maybe it's the same thing for us. That when we pray, we, and, and God doesn't answer, we feel rejected by God. We, we feel like God's not listening, and God's not going to answer these prayers. And when we feel that way about God, and we feel rejected by God, we just stop praying. It's like we can't continue to feel that kind of pain any longer. But there's more happening here in the story than just this rejection piece. Go on to verse, or chapter two, or excuse me, chapter 16, verse two. Sarah goes on and says, go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. We live in this instant culture where we want things now, Right? We, we don't want to wait, uh, we get upset when lines are too long, uh, we get upset when traffic is backed up, we get upset when we purchase something on Amazon Prime and it says two days and you hit buy and then it comes back and says no, it's actually gonna be five or six days, right? We, we get upset because we don't want to wait. When we buy something or we're going somewhere, we, we don't ha- want to have to wait in line, we don't have to wait for a product. We want these things and we want them right now. We are impatient people. But also believe that that instant culture, that impatience we have in life has seeped into our prayer lives. So when we pray, we expect those answers to be right now. We pray for that miracle and healing. We we pray for that relationship. We pray for our our finances. We pray for those dreams. We don't have time to wait for those answers to come. We're not going to wait a year or a couple of months a few weeks, maybe even a few days, we pray and we want those prayers answered right now. I'm guessing when God told Abraham, hey Abraham, here's the deal, I'm going to give you this son at the age of 75, I'm guessing Abraham's thinking, this sounds great, so by the age of 76, I'm going to have this son. What we find is it takes about 25 years for this to happen. Could one of the things that we struggle with and the reason we don't pray consistently continuously is that we're just impatient with God and yet what does Paul say Paul says never stop praying and many times we stop praying because God isn't answering those prayers for us right now so we experience this rejection from God we experience impatience with God but There's more here. Look at chapter 17, verses 15 through 17. It says, Then God said to Abraham, Regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So think about this. Here we have Abraham. He is 99 years old. For 80 years, maybe even a little bit longer than that, he's been waiting on this son to come. For the last 25 years, he's been waiting for God to fulfill this promise. But that still hasn't happened, has it? At this point, even with God's promises, and as we read this here, I think we can see that Abraham is discouraged. Look look at his answer here, Uh, and we can sense that discouragement. He's like, (laughs) he laughs, right? He laughs in disbelief, and then he's just kind of (laughs) like, I'm kind of old. Like, next year's the big one, zero, zero, right? And so he's thinking about that, and I think he's like, God, why are you punishing us? Why do you keep saying these things? Why do you keep promising this? I mean, that discouragement has set in to Abraham's life and into his soul we're familiar with discouragement. Um, When I think about discouragement, I think about sports. I love sports. I love playing sports. And as you get, you know, a little bit older, we become uh, sports warriors or weekend warriors when it comes to the sports we do, which means we just go play. We don't really practice, right? But when we go play these things, like for me right now, it's a little bit of golf and and softball. And I love doing these things, but I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time practicing. I'm just going to go make these things happen. And you're probably the exact same. But we have expectations, don't we? We have expectations when we go. And so maybe you're going to go play golf. You're like, I haven't picked up clubs in two years. But you know what? I'm going to go out and break 80 today. Or, you know, I haven't swung a softball bat in in five years. But I'm at a game this week. I'm probably going to hit one or two home runs. And so we have these expectations of what we can do. Then we go out and play these games. And you play the game of golf. You get your round done and you look at your score and you're like, 125, what happened? I mean, my expectation was because I feel like I'm a good golfer and I'm a good athlete and that I'm going to break 80, but, but, but I shot 125. You get kind of discouraged quickly about your golf game. Or you go and you play softball and you don't hit two dingers, you can barely hit it past the pitcher, right? And again, it's like, what's going on here? I have these expectations of what I'm going to do and, and those expectations aren't coming to life. Same thing with prayer. When we pray, we have these expectations that God is going to answer those prayers. We pray expectantly. But yet, too often, when we don't get the response that we want from God, we don't get the answer that we want from God. When it's taken too long for God to answer those prayers, those expectations can turn into discouragement. Joel talked last week about persistent prayers, and when we pray persistently, and we pray and pray and pray, and it seems like nothing is happening, again that discouragement sets in. I can't, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep putting myself out there for, for God because I feel like God is rejecting me. I feel like God isn't answering my prayers. I'm getting impatient with God. I can't keep waiting. And those expectations we have in prayer become discouragement, and we stop praying. My guess is that all of us have probably experienced that in prayer. We've experienced rejection. We've experienced impatience. We've experienced discouragement. And maybe that's the reason that you've stopped praying right now, but can I take you back to Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians, never stop praying never stop praying why is that important let's look at the end of the story of Abraham and Sarah chapter 21 of Genesis the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised she became pregnant she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age this happened at just the time God had said it would 25 years have passed since God made that promise to Abraham he would have that son 80 years have passed since those dreams of having this son were a part of, of Abraham's life. After years of prayer and waiting and feeling rejected and feeling discouraged and being impatient with God and taking matters into their own hands, finally, after all those years, God came through. As you take an inventory of your life right now, those things that you desire that you hope for that you're dreaming about that you need that you're looking for in your life maybe maybe you feel like those prayers aren't being heard and too often that's the reason we stop praying but but let me tell you the answer is not to stop praying the answer is to never stop praying And one of the reasons may be that God's answer for us is way down the road somewhere. I mean, this is 25 years that they waited for this prayer to to come to fruition. Or maybe it's that we're missing what God is really up to in our lives and around us as we pray. So why is it that we should never stop praying? Well, let me share with you a few ideas here, and there are many more, but there's four things I think as I look at the life of Abraham and Sarah, and as I think about our prayer lives, and again, what we're talking about today is so simple. We're just, we're just talking about making prayer something we do continuously, making prayer something we do consistently in our life on a daily basis. Here's some, here's some kind of thoughts on this. First one is this, continuous prayer strengthens our faith. We've talked about this quite a bit in this series, so I'm not going to talk much uh, about this. But let me hit this quickly. You look at Abraham and Sarah. God answers those prayers, right? God gives them this son. Do you think at that moment when Isaac is born their son that their faith lessens? Or do you think that faith strengthens? I'm pretty sure it got stronger. Sure, they're floundering quite a bit in this whole scenario and there are times where they give up on their faith and there are times where they hold on to their faith, but I, I bet that faith grew stronger after all those years and that son was born. See, prayer is an act of faith. We, we don't pray to get something from God. And yet in our minds, that's what we think, right? We're praying because I need something from God. I want to get something from God. We pray to show God that we have faith in what God will do. And we believe in the power of God to answer those prayers however God sees fit. And you know what? It may not be the answer we want. And it may be a prayer that has answered years down the road. But we pray continually because we have faith that God will answer. And that faith only strengthens if we continue to pray. So continuous prayer strengthens our faith. But continuous prayer also strengthens our relationship with God. Not only does our faith strengthen as we continue to pray, but our relationship strengthens with God. And here's what I mean. We will find out that we become more dependent on God the more that we pray. One of the commentaries that I looked at for 1 Thessalonians 5.17, the the writer of the commentary, Leon Leon Morris, he, he wrote these words... He says it is not possible for us to spend all our time with the words of prayer on our lips but it is possible for us to be in all our ways in the spirit of prayer. Realizing our dependence on God for all we have and are being conscious of his presence with us wherever we may be and yielding ourselves continually to him to do his will. I, I read Morse's commentary there about that passage never stop praying and It makes me think of a small child, right? When when a child is born, you can just lay them on the ground, but they're not going to survive very long if, if no one's there to help them, right? And so a parent or someone jumps into their life and what's the parent do? The parent feeds the child. The parent helps the child go to sleep. The parent changes their poo-poo diapers. And the parent puts clothes on them and bathes them and gets them to their doctor's appointments. I mean, that, that child is fully, fully dependent on that parent. Same with God. That when we pray... And when prayer is a regular part of our our lives, it strengthens that relationship that we have with God. And over time, because sometimes it takes us a little bit of time. We're not like a child who kind of sits there and expects this from a a parent. But we're going to realize over time how dependent we are on God. Not only is our faith growing, but that relationship with God and our trust in God and our belief in God. And our understanding that God wants the best for us builds over time and so whatever God decides to do through the prayers that we pray on a continuous basis but we accept them because we understand that what God may want for us is way better than the things that we may be praying for but we continue to pray because we want to become more dependent on God and that relationship with God so when rejection creeps in and we understand we've got to be dependent on God and we continue to pray even when we're feeling the sense of rejection our prayer is going to strengthen that relationship with God when impatience takes over and we want to do our own thing we we are reminded that we're dependent on God when we feel discouraged and, and we can't believe that God's not doing the things that we're asking or wanting to do then that relationship with God because we continue to pray and because of that dependency on God We may feel discouraged, but we understand that God has something better for us. Continuous prayer strengthens our relationship with God and makes us dependent on God. But here's the third thing I would say is that continuous prayer is a long-term investment. There's a Swedish island called Visingsu, and uh, it's kind of mysterious in some ways because in the middle of this island, there are these oak trees that are there. And um, the weird part is those oak trees aren't indigenous to the island. In 1980, the Swedish Navy got a letter from the Swedish forestry forestry department that said, hey, the, the oak trees are ready to be salvaged. They're ready to be harvested. The problem was the Swedish Navy had no clue what they were talking about. And so they did a little research and what they found out was that back in 1829, the Swedish parliament anticipated there was going to be a shortage of oak trees in the 21st century and at that point oak trees were imperative to the shipbuilding trade at and for the for the Swedish navy. And so they understood it was going to take about 150 years for these trees to mature. So they ordered 20,000 of these oak trees to be planted there on that island. Not only to be planted there but to be protected for the navy. That oak tree forest still sits on Visingso to this day. And if you think about that, here's someone back in the 1800s who, who looked and saw what needed to be done and they understood the long-term investment from putting those trees there. I say this because I think when, when it comes to prayer, we see prayer as a short-term fix. That whatever we're going through, whatever we're experiencing, our needs, our wants, that we're just going to pray. We're going to pray quickly. And we're going to deal with that as quick as we can. We, we see it as a short-term thing, but, but really prayer is a long-term investment. Think about investment strategies with money, right? Uh, one strategy is that you take a little bit of every single month from your paycheck and you, you put it away, you invest it in stocks or bonds or mutual funds and over time it, it accumulates wealth for you. And then there's a, another type of strategy when it comes to investment that says when you leave today, you go to the gas station, you buy a lottery ticket, right? And you hope you win and that's your long-term strategy when it comes to accumulating wealth. I'm afraid that too many of us, when we pray, it's almost like a prayer lottery. We pray, hoping that God will quickly answer in this prayer that we have. And like I said, too often those prayers are about things that we want or that we need right now. And our hope is that God will answer that prayer instantaneously. Like it's, uh, as we've said in the series too, like God is this genie, we rub the bottle, God pops up, God says, what are your wishes? We tell God, God answers that, and we're good to go. But that's, that's not how prayer works. Now, maybe there are those times where prayer is answered instantly, but more than, than, than likely, it's a long-term process. That's why we have to understand, we have to invest in prayer. That prayer has to be something we see as a long-term investment. That's why we need to pray every day, finding those moments just to spend with God. When things are tough, right? And we probably pray more when things are tough, but even in the good times. Now, not just when we need healing or a miracle or help in a relationship, but man, are we praying when we're thankful and life is good? Because that's what prayer is. Prayer is is this investment we make in that relationship with God, in our faith in who God is. And we pray because we are thinking about the long-term effect of those prayers. What happened with Sarah and Adam, or Abraham? What was the outcome of that? Well, God fulfilled those four promises. God fulfilled those four promises. God gave this, this son to Sarah and Abraham, but God Not only fulfilled this promise to Abraham, there was more to it, wasn't there? There there was this this gift to Sarah. There was the life of Isaac. There were nations that came from Abraham and Sarah's lineage. And oh, by the way, Jesus was a part of those promises too. And so you and I get to see the long-term investment, the return on that investment, even to this day when prayer becomes a part of who we are, we never stop praying. We keep praying, understanding that we are trying to see if God can do something now, but also knowing that this is a long-term investment, that our prayers today may be the starting point, the framework of something God is going to do in the future. It may be for you, Maybe for your relationships now. Maybe for your kids. Maybe be for your grandkids. Maybe for your neighborhood. It may be for this world. Who who knows? Joel brought this up. uh, I think um, the first week of the series and um, in in one of our staff meetings we were talking, and I um, I I said I believe that right now the what we are experiencing here at the journey is a return on investment of the prayers that have been done for this place for over fifty years. That in 1974, when a group of 31 people were charter members of the Journey Church and met over at Edison High School, that their prayers started in 1974, that you and I, to this day, are seeing the fruition of those prayers. Did they have that image of what this place would look like today and how many people are being reached and influenced and uh, the the, the power that we, uh, the opportunities we have in this community and in our world? I like to think so. And not only just those people 50 years ago, but over the course of the last five decades, the prayers that have taken place, and I believe you and I are experiencing the return on that prayer investment today. But it doesn't end here, right? Because you and I are praying now and investing in the future for what hopefully this church will look like in another 10, 20 50, 60 years after we're long gone from here. The influence and the impact of our prayer investment for the future here. Continuous prayer is a long-term investment. And then the last thing I would say is that continuous prayer changes us. And maybe I feel like this is probably the most important piece here. That not only does our faith grow Not only do we build a stronger relationship with God, not only are we praying for an investment that will be maybe years from now that we'll see the return on that investment in our prayer, but but in the end that you and I will be changed. And if prayer is something that we do consistently, if we never stop praying and it becomes a part of our daily life, whatever those prayers may look like, what we're going to find is we're going to rely less on ourselves and we're going to rely more on God. And when we rely more on God, we are changed. That's why I love those words Paul writes in Romans. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. When we never stop praying, we are changed. Our behaviors change. Our thoughts change. Our actions change. Our words change. Who we are changes. And we stop letting rejection take over and we trust God. We stop being impatient with God because we're going to start to understand that God's timing is way, way better than my timing. And we're going to stop feeling discouraged because God wants the best for you And for me. How does this transformation happen? Well it happens through continuous prayer. It happens through the power of prayer. But that means we become a people. Who are all about prayer. Again not because we're looking to get something from God. But because we have this trust. And this faith. And this understanding of who God is. In such a way that God. We know. Is going to use those prayers. To do amazing things in our lives and I truly believe in the lives of others my question as we finish up today is what would it look like if our prayer life was kind of like flossing our teeth should be right what if our prayer life was something that we focused on and we did and was important to us every day that we lived What if every day we spent a few moments in prayer? Our faith would grow. That connection to God would become so much stronger. We would be changed. The world around us and our family and the people we know, they will be changed. There's investments for the future. But here's the problem. You and I cannot stop praying. So may we be people who take those words from Paul and live them out every day and to never stop praying. If you want to pray dangerous prayers, make them bold, intentional, make them persistent, but never stop praying them because God will use them in incredible ways.